You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. must be ever vigilant to the people who come into our church and want to sit here in fellowship with us. We must be ever vigilant to see and to look at them and to hear them and watch them and wait and see if their sin finds them out, to hear things that are happening. Very important. But look what the apostles did. Verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The apostles recognized the problem right away. When the leaders of the church are too busy to teach the Word of God, the church is in serious peril. In your walk with Jesus, have you ever found yourself shirking responsibility? Have you ever avoided stepping up for God because you feel inadequate or unequipped? Today, Pastor Dave explains that God is calling you to step into a bigger role for His glory. Don't wait for others to do it. Be a leader for God's kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Man God Uses. We've gone through now chapters 1 through 5, and we're ready to start chapter 6. So if you're turning your Bibles to chapter 6, we're going to look at the first seven verses. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in a daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Have you ever wondered about the men and women God chooses for service? Looking back on the scriptures, we see men and women, ordinary men and women, much like you and I, that God chose and used in extraordinary ways. You know, there's nothing any man can do in and of himself that would qualify him for God's service. God will use whom and what he chooses or when he chooses them. Great example of this is in Numbers 22, the wonderful story about Balaam and his donkey. How the donkey actually turned and spoke to Balaam several times. Yes, God can use a donkey to speak. And I always say sometimes in this church, he uses one on Sunday mornings as well. God uses whomever he chooses to speak. He is sovereign in his choices. However, if God is to use us for his glory and to use us for his honors, we must be ready. We must be willing and we must be able. Many, many are willing, but they're not ready and able. Others are able, but they're not ready or willing. 
The Lord is looking for men and women that he can use for his glory. That's where we see the apostles today. In our text, we see the apostles as they try to tend to the needs of the new church. They've been used mightily by the Lord in their witnesses. They've got the witness of the Sanhedrin twice. They got their witness in the temple many, many, many times, and many have come to the knowledge of Jesus. Many have been saved. In fact, they predict at this time, they said that the, the number of, of new believers might be in the upwards of 10,000. Many, many have been saved. Many have come to the knowledge. The new church is growing leaps and bounds. It's growing and it's outpacing itself. But a problem happens when you have this type of growth. Problems arise, new problems. By now, we know that Satan, he knew he probably couldn't destroy the church. He tried. He hit the church hard from the outside using the council to thwart the actions of the apostles. When this failed, he returned his efforts to inside the church and he used the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira. When that failed, he again turned to the outside and again used the religious leaders to come against the apostles. In fact, Satan filled their heart with indignation, which means they were boiling mad at the apostles. And because they were boiling mad at the apostles, they took them. They scolded them, warned them, and had them severely beaten. The apostles didn't obey the commands of the council. They obeyed the commands of God. In fact, we read last week that after they were leaving, when their backs were bloodied and beaten and they were leaving, they were rejoicing and praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful picture we see here. Not only do we see that, but they continued daily, it says, in the temple, house to house, preaching and not ceasing to teach and preach the name of Jesus Christ to the whomever, whomever would listen. Now, even this couldn't stop the apostles. Now, Satan knew he couldn't destroy the church, but... Perhaps maybe he could slow it down a pace. I mean, after all, it was moving pretty rapidly. Maybe he thought he could slow it down a little bit. And he had some tricks still up his sleeve that he might use for his agenda. He again tries to divide the church. He loves to play the divide and conquer card. He loves to do that. That's one of his strong suits. But it wasn't hypocrisy this time that was threatening the new church like it did in Acts 5. This time, it was racism. Racism was coming into the church. The Hellenists, these Grecian believers, were mad because the Hebrews, Hebrew women, the Hebrews' widows, were seen to be getting more than they were getting. And there was contention. When we are in Christ, the barriers of race must come down. There is no room for the barriers of race and racism to be in the body of Christ. They must come down. I mean, you look at it. We are all one in Christ. Everyone comes to Christ in the same way. And we're all going to the same heaven and spend eternity with the same Lord. For we're all one in Christ and the barriers of race must come down. Paul, when he was speaking about this equality, when he spoke to the, the Galatian church in chapter 3 of verse 28, this is what he says. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ did more for you, the equality of man, than anybody ever did. He has made us all one in him. Paul again repeats this in Colossians 3, verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, 
sinketh, slaved, or free, but Christ is all and in all. The love of Christ that he has given us one for another should flow past the boundaries of race. We're guided by love now, and that love stems from a heart full of him in Jesus Christ. Stems from being one in Christ. And as Christ gave his life to all, we should do likewise. Race should never, never be a barrier. As we begin today's study, we see the number of disciples growing. A problem arising between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. We read in verse 1, Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The church is multiplying. You gotta love the way the Lord does math. I'm not a math major, believe me, I was a shop teacher. But but you gotta love the way the Lord loves and does math. And we read back in 247, the Lord added to the church daily. That's what the scripture says. Then we read in Acts 5 that Ananias and Sapphira, they were taken away. They were taken away. And now here in Acts 6, the Lord is multiplying the numbers of the new church. Sometimes the Lord has to take away before he multiplies. Sometimes he has to prune before other blossoms will grow. This is part of the way the Lord works. This is what he does. A church may be working and there may be wonderful things happening. Growth may be happening. And all of a sudden, a painful subtraction takes place. But we're not to fret when this happens. Because this is a natural effect. The pruning takes place. We're not to fret because we have here scriptures that tells us when he subtracts, then he will multiply. Then he will multiply greatly. So we're to be comforted by that. We'll learn prunes before blossoms can take place. So in the scriptures here this morning, these Hellenists, or Grecians as it might be called in some translations, they were basically Greek-speaking Jews from other countries. The Hebrews were Jewish residents and they spoke Aramaic and Greek. The Hellenists were complaining that the widows were not getting their share of the distribution and they were accusing the Hebrews of racism. They were showing favoritism towards their own. The apostles were trying to fill every need. The apostles were trying to do everything by themselves and they found out that they could not. They used to walk up and they would distribute the food themselves. Remember this communism we talked about? Not communism, but communism. And they would distribute food themselves. But this was taking away from their study of the word. This was taking away from their prayer time. And this became very, very dangerous to the new church. You cannot take away the ministry of the word of God. You cannot neglect it. And when this is neglected, the church is in peril. The church is in extreme danger. So you can see how Satan would get into the church. He gets into the church and he loves to spread discord. He loves to spread discord through murmurings and complaining. Paul told us in Philippians, Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing. All things. Do all things. Satan will come as an angel of light. He will come into church as an angel of light. Looks like a Christian, speaks like a Christian, acts like a Christian, knows all the vocabulary, says all the right words, praise the Lord, brother, knows all the things to say, he must be a Christian. But after a while, he gets in there, and all of a sudden, he starts talking to this one over here, talking to this one over here, and a seed of discord is placed, and things happen, and discontent starts to mold over, and pretty soon you have divisions. I've seen churches divide completely, and a whole group would leave and start someplace else. When the church divides, Christ bleeds. When the church divides, Christ is wounded all over again. We cannot allow this to happen. We have got to stay strong. 
This is what happened in, with these disciples. They saw that this was happening, the murmuring, the complaining. They said, we have to do something about this. Jesus warned of this very thing. Jesus saw that this was going to happen. He warned the disciples that this was going to happen, and he used parables to tell them about it. In Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33, he says two parables. First of all, he says, another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than all the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures and meal till it was all leavened. Jesus uses this example of the mustard seed growing to an abnormal side. He predicted that it would become so big that the birds of the air would land in it and would nest in it. Birds of the air usually represent evil in the Scriptures. They usually represent an evil presence in the Scriptures. They would become able to come in, into the new church. This is a significant parable because he's referencing the, church, the growth of the Christian church. It will begin small and basically seemingly insignificant, but at time, it'll grow very large. In fact, it'll grow so large that those who are not genuine believers be able to establish a stronghold. Like I said, looks like a Christian, talks like a Christian, must be a Christian. The second parable Jesus said, we'll talk about, he compared the kingdom of heaven to leaven. This woman who was kneading bread and he put leaven in it, you know, leaven made it rise. Leaven is always a symbol of sin in the, in the scriptures, always represents sin. Remember when Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. He was talking about their sin, their hypocrisy. This picture that Jesus is drawing here would be the outside influence, the evil influence penetrating the church, not from the outside, but from in our own people. Whether it's birds of the air or leaven, an evil presence can be in attendance when the word of God is taught. It can be in the presence when the Holy Spirit is at work. The problem is, is that the evil presence can cause some really serious problems. It can cause disruptions. It can cause divides and divisions. To deal with this infiltration requires strength, discernment, and wisdom. The apostles were up to the task, and they acted accordingly. They looked at the problem, and they acted quickly through the help of the Holy Spirit. They acted with great wisdom, and they did not give Satan a foothold in the fellowship. Likewise, we must do the same. We must be ever vigilant to the people who come into our church and want to sit here in fellowship with us. We must be ever vigilant to see and to look at them and to hear them and watch them and wait and see if their sin finds them out, to hear things that are happening. Very important. But look what the apostles did. Verse 2, then the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The apostles recognized the problem right away. When the leaders of the church are too busy to teach the Word of God, the church is in serious peril. It's in serious problem. The Word of God must have priority. Yes, it is necessary to take care of the needs of the flock. I, yes, it is very necessary to take care of the needs of the flock. However, the priority must be the Word of God. The priority must be the Word of God. Why? Because the teaching of the Word of God strengthens the flock. It helps them to mature and it helps them to grow. The Word of God will help the mature flock and then they will become mature and healthy sheep and therefore they will start ministering one to another. This is scriptural. 
Paul tells you in the Ephesian church, he says in, verse, in chapter 4, verses 11 12, and he, talking about the Lord, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. The Word of God does that. The Word of God, as it's preached, as it's taught, builds you up. It shows you ways to go. It shows you paths to take. It encourages you. It chastises if necessary. It cuts like a knife where it needs to be cut. It helps you to present things to the Lord, to lay everything at the Lord's feet, to become holy, to become one with God. It helps you to get where you need to get. It takes people and makes them into strong Christians by the Word of God. Yes, feeding the poor is extremely important. Yes, homeless, extremely important. And I'm not saying that. But it's the Word of God that enables us to minister to them. It's the Word of God that gives us the strength and the power then to go out and minister to them people. They cannot be our priority of the church. The priority of the church must be the teaching of the Word of God. Everything that happens should come as a result of the teaching of the Word of God. Healthy sheep minister to the world. Healthy sheep minister one to another. Healthy sheep spread the gospel message throughout. In other words, I need to teach and put myself out of a job. But what happens is, as we're teaching the Word of God, healthy sheep begat healthy sheep, and new sheep come in. So it's a perpetuating cycle. Healthy sheep bring in new sheep, and new sheep bring in new sheep. That's the way it goes. That's the way the church works. But it's the Word of God that does it. It's the Word of God that changes it. Notice, notice that the apostle says, it is not desirable. This means it's not beneficial. It's not a satisfactory arrangement that we have to wait on tables and neglect the Word of God. We've got to do something about this. We have to do something about this. Look at the solution that the apostles came up with in Acts 6, 3, and 4. And here we see a clear mandate for the church, especially the leadership of the church. We see a clear mandate to raise up people within the church to do the work of the ministry, to give people opportunities to serve the Lord. Sitting here getting full getting plump on the Word of God, doesn't do you any good until you start going out there and using it. You can't give what you don't got. Look at the solution. It says, therefore, in verse 3 and 4, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Here's a clear delineation. You find people among yourselves. The apostles aren't even going to choose them. The apostles are saying, men and brethren, you guys, you spiritual guys out there, you find some men. These are the qualifications that we're looking for. You find them, bring them to us. Seven men, full of good reputation, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. This was the task that they said. Go find these men. Go find them among you. Who were these men looking for? Who were these men looking for? Well, if you've been with us for several weeks, I can tell you who they're looking for. They're looking for ambassadors, for one thing. They're looking for ambassadors for Christ. They're looking for people who speak on his behalf, not their own behalf. People who speak about Christ. They're looking for men who are not sitting on the fence. They're not looking for the lukewarm Christian. They're looking for the one who's really on fire for the Lord and really wants to serve the Lord. They're looking for the fanatic. They're looking for the fanatic for Christ. That's who they're looking for. One who will go all out, has a zeal to serve Christ. That's who they're looking for. They're looking for men who have good testimony in the church and in the secular realm too. It says they're looking for men full of the Holy Spirit. The apostles knew 
that those who serve the Lord and those who are people of God must be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be empowered to do any ministry whatsoever. They wanted everyone, they wanted people who experienced the same thing they felt, the empowerment by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had power to do ministry. This is what they want the other people to have because they know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They know that you're ready for ministry when you have the Holy Spirit. They knew that in their midst, there were believing saints, saints, dear, sweet, wonderful saints in their midst. They loved Jesus, but they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They were lacking power. They weren't equipped to do God's word because they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to ask, am I describing you today? Am I describing you today? You want to serve the Lord, but you just can't? Maybe you're lacking the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're lacking the power that the Holy Spirit gives when he comes upon you to give you that transformation into ministry, into service for him. We're not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about salvation. We'll touch that in a minute. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about people who believe in Christ, who want to serve the Lord, but you're lacking power. Please, if this speaks to you, if you're one of these people, do not leave this church today without praying to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That he would give you the power necessary, the dunamis power necessary to serve him. You can't do it without you. Not only can you not serve the Lord without this dunamis power, but the scripture says you can't even live a Christian life without this power. You can't even be a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need this power. Don't leave without it, please. Please. The apostles were looking for men of good reputation. They were looking for men full of the Holy Spirit. They were looking for men full of wisdom. Wisdom of what? I said last week, that our last uh, service, that they're not looking for intelligent people, pi r square. In my house, cherry pi r round. Got a better laugh this time. They're not looking for head knowledge. They're not looking for people with all this head knowledge. They're looking for knowledge of the Scriptures, application knowledge. It's one thing to have this great head knowledge of the Scriptures, and to be, quote, all this stuff back and forth. Now, I wish I had that sometimes, but it's the application. How are you applying the scriptures that you know? How are you applying the scriptures that you've learned in your life? That's what they're looking for. And this translates to wisdom. This translates to wisdom. This is what they're looking for. They're looking for a person who's serious about the scriptures, who wants the scriptures to be their life, to be in their heart, to be in their mind, to consume them. This isn't to be taken lightly. It's to be taken with all diligence and with all steadfastness. It says, study to show yourself approved of God. You know, it's very interesting here. There are two words here used in the Greek. In verse 1, the word for distributions is dikonos in the Greek. The word for serve in verse 2 is dikononio. This is where we get the English word deacon. This is where we get the English word deacon. Here you have the first deacons of the church. The first deacons, the ones, the worker bees, they go out and do the work of the ministry. Why? So that the leadership has time to study the Word of God in prayer. Deacons. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? 
he met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.